0: Well, good morning everybody. Welcome to KCC Online. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We're going to be turning to God's Word in just a moment or so. So if you want to go and grab a Bible, I'm going to be referring to the passages that we're going to be looking at from the physical Bible. And it's a good idea to not get distracted on your phone or to not have anything but actually to have a Bible in front of you. So go grab a Bible if you can. Uh, We're going to be looking today and continuing in this series on thinking about called to reach out. And we're thinking specifically this morning about Mark chapter six and verses six to 13. So we're gonna dig into God's word in just a moment. Before we do, I need the Holy Spirit's help and you need the Holy Spirit's help in being able to hear what he has to say through his word too, so let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this new day. We thank you for this Sunday that we can watch together Thank you for this opportunity to gather around your word and for how it speaks truth into our life. And so we pray now you would come by your Holy Spirit and open up our eyes and our ears to the truth of what you have to say. Help me to uh, connect with what you're saying. I've already prepared this sermon, but help me to be willing to listen to your Holy Spirit, to go left and right where you want me to go and that we'll hear clearly from you And not just hear from you, but respond. So help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, we're going to be looking in Mark chapter 6. And uh, so if you want to turn to that, that'd be great. Called to reach out. And I want to pull out three key things from this text uh, this morning in Mark 6. I want us to think about gospel authority, gospel lifestyle, and gospel proclamation And I'm going to unpack what I mean by those headings in Mark 6 as we go through it. Paul Tripp helpfully says this, is that we are searching for life. And there are only two places to look. You can look to the creator for life, or you can search for life in what he created. But there is one thing for sure, you will search for life. So as we come to this passage and as we think about reaching out, depending on where we are, we might not even know Jesus today or we might know Jesus and want to explore what this has to say. But whatever position we're in as humans, we're all searching for life. So we could be searching for life for a first time. We don't know Jesus. We're in the midst of this COVID-19 climate that we've been in now for six months. And we're thinking, well, you know, what is life about? Is there more to life than this? Can I find answers to a world full of uncertainty? Or we might be a Christian already, but we're tempted to look for life other than in the Creator. So you can look to the Creator for life, or you can search for life in what He created. But there is one thing for sure you will search for life. So this morning, as we gather, I am looking for life, you're looking for life. And do we just simply look for life in the here and now or do we believe in a God who sent his son Jesus that we might have life in its fullness now, but life for eternity? And so as we think about this passage in Mark six, and we firstly think about gospel authority, we can see how seeking the creator, seeking the savior, brings life and leads us to reach out. Well, how do we see that? How do we see that that actually happens? Well, in verses six and seven, we read, and then Jesus went round teaching them from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. So the model and the premise that Jesus works from in terms of life is that he it, and he's in relationship with the Father and the Spirit and so he has this authority to minister, to reach out. Now the interesting thing is is that Jesus's ministry, his life is not about big conferences. It's not about he needs to be the influencer who influences the key big influencers in life. It's actually far from it. If you notice, in verse six, Jesus went round from village to village. Most of Jesus's ministry was in small villages. It's often in quiet places, places where not many people really knew about. He operated in small places. But also Jesus operated often in small numbers. So he had 12 disciples and then he wanted to send them out in twos so sometimes colin and i go to these gatherings for pastors which sometimes can be great and sometimes can be a little bit if i'm honest frustrating and one of the reasons that these are frustrating at times is is that you have you know a bowl of soup and a roll and a cup of tea or coffee and most of the conversation goes something like this you know what church are you in how many people are in your church How has it grown? Is it growing? And what people mean by that is really just about numerical growth. So it's as if if you're in a bigger church, your church is growing, you've got more people while you're doing well. And if Jesus turned up to one of these pastors lunches, I'm sure that people would kind of raise an eyebrow when they said to him, what are you doing in terms of ministry? And he said, well, I just hang out with these 12 guys and I send them out in twos and I get them to pray for people. I get them to share the gospel most people probably would be unimpressed but Jesus operates with this authority that he then wants to give to his disciples small places small numbers but big authority and this big authority is is that in the calling the 12 to him in verse 7 he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits so for the first five chapters in Mark, we've seen that the disciples are with him, but they're observing a lot of what he's doing. They're seeing what he's doing. They're observing what he's doing. But they're inve- he's investing in them so that they now can go out and invest in others. But they do that by his authority. We know famously in Matthew 28, the Great Commission is to go and make disciples. And he sent them out and gave them that authority later on in one of the Gospels. But here we see this authority where he's sending them out not to do a big massive conference, not to go and influence the big kings and queens of the age, but to go out in twos. And that seems to be incredibly significant for us right now, I think. When increasingly there's restrictions and lockdowns that actually we can still move and operate with the authority that God gives us but in smaller places and in smaller numbers and fulfil his kingdom and his will can be done. But I also want to pull out and I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this second point of what I'm calling gospel lifestyle. And we see this in Mark 6, 11 to 12. That essentially Jesus is showing them and showing us that in life, we need to travel light. He's showing us how to travel light. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, we see in verse sorry, verses eight onwards, these were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. So what we see here is instructions that are not prescriptive. He's not saying that every Christian should only take a staff with them no bread no bag no money in your belts and wear sandals but what Jesus is getting across to them and to us is for us to travel light to hold possessions lightly for us to not be so consumed with the here and now and this world and that's important that Pre-COVID-19, we maybe were consumed with consumerism and just about finding pleasure. Now in COVID-19, in this climate that we've been in, we're maybe consumed with the life that we have and holding on to the life that we have, more of a sense of survival. But I'm coming to realize is that the lighter we hold things the more we'll try and fight to survive and hold on to such things. And so we need to hold things lightly, but have a eternal perspective on things. So how do we do that? Well, we need to think about contentment. And I think this is a word that I've been thinking about quite a lot because a lot of the time, I can be discontent because of Frustrations and restrictions that are going on, not being able to gather together so easily, seeing worship, praise God as we would have done. But there's something significant in us thinking about where we find our contentment, including gathering for church or not. So turn with me in your Bibles. If you've got your Bible in front of you, hopefully you have, then you can turn to Philippians chapter 4. Just flick forward a few books and we're looking at verses 11 to 13. Philippians chapter 4 verses 11 to 13. So what do we read here? So this is Paul talking about being in prison. Remember the context that he's in. And he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength." And he's referring to Jesus there. So Paul in this situation, in prison, could have easily become discontent, could have easily become frustrated and irritable and angry about all kinds of things. But he says, I've learned the secret of being in content no matter what the circumstances, and that is key. And what I believe that God is saying to me, but us as a church as well, is that there is a challenge to us as to how we may have become religious in the wrong sense of the word that is that we turn up to church we expect a certain standard of worship we expect a certain standard of kids ministry youth ministry certain standard of sermon we come we do church we consume church and then we go back to the lives that we live in the rest of the week We think about our work and we act in a certain way. We go to school, we go to uni, and then we come back again and we do church. And so spiritually we can become discontent because we can't do church the way that we've always done church. And it is to a degree undoubtedly frustrating. But as Colin was saying a few weeks ago, that it has to be the Christian life more than the Sunday. It's gotta be about finding contentment and having this gospel lifestyle, having the grace of God permeate my whole life, my whole being, everything I say, everything I do. So that when Paul finds himself in prison and he can't gather to worship, when Paul finds himself in prison and he has no fellowship, when Paul finds that he can't do what he wants to do, he says that I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances, whether in need or whether I have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. So not just just i've learned the secret of being content when i can have church the way i want church not just being content in every situation when i feel happy or my children act a certain way or i get certain grades in my exams at school or university but that i learn to be content because i can do all things through him who gives me strength that is jesus and so that is so important for us to hold on to that we need this gospel lifestyle, not another lifestyle that the world has to offer, so that we find our joy and our contentment in Jesus in these difficult days, and they are difficult days. There are days where you probably have felt really frustrated, low, uncertain about what's happened, as I have. But we need to see that a kind of evangelical, nominalism is not the answer not a religiosity where we do church do this do that jump on zoom do this do that but that we find our joy and contentment in Jesus and have him permeate the whole of our life a gospel lifestyle and why is that important you might be asking in terms of reaching out because the world will see a difference in you That you're not moaning, complaining, discontent, given off about the government every five minutes, but that you are finding your contentment in Jesus and there's something different about you. And there's something different about me. And we also see this in scripture when we're reminded in Matthew 6 about not worrying about all kinds of things. And then in Matthew 6 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So the first thing on my mind and your mind when we get up in the morning is not, oh COVID-19, oh my life is real drag, oh I've got to do this, oh I've got to go to school, oh I've got to go to uni, oh I'm putting on breakfast news again, oh you know more COVID cases, more deaths, but but to seek his kingdom, his glory, to worship him. Thank you, Father, that you love me so much that you sent Jesus to die for me. Thank you, Father, that he rose again and he's ascended to heaven and will come back and one day make all things new. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for me in my weakness. Thank you that you see me as righteous as I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I delight in you, Lord. I thank you that you delight in me and that we fix our eyes on Jesus this is so needed right now for you and for me that we fix our eyes on Jesus that we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and go live that out as good news among people that we have this gospel lifestyle. C.S. Lewis helpfully said look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness Despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him. And with him, everything else thrown in. And isn't that so true? Then we look for ourselves, we look to seek life somewhere else, then all we're going to do is go down a road that leads to despair. But when we look for Christ, we find him and everything else thrown in, that we find his joy. His completeness we find that we have this promise of new life and eternal life and that all things will be made new in him and that we'll have restoration that we will know him forevermore that's what should be our desire that's what a gospel lifestyle looks like and as we live that it is a witness to a world full of bad news that we can actually have this good news But lastly, we need to think about this third area, which is gospel proclamation. Now, that might sound quite scary, and to some degree, it is a little bit scary. But flick back to Mark chapter 6 and look at verse 12 and 13. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So what does gospel proclamation look like? If gospel lifestyle is how we really live all of our lives for the gospel and how the gospel permeates us, well, actually, gospel proclamation is that we clearly proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ unashamedly. So they preached repentance firstly, but they prayed for healing. So they preached repentance And so in a world of bad news we have this opportunity to be able to say that this is not it. That death is not the end. That the underlining fear that comes through the media, that comes through the news, that comes through social media feeds, is that your life is threatened. That this this, um, disease will threaten your life. And so the only hope and good news story that society has is that a vaccine might be found and it would be great if a vaccine is found. But there's a much bigger disease that is at work in the world to which there is a cure. You see, sin has infected all of us. Sin has infected the whole human race. And there is a cure a cure that's better than a vaccine that's found in Jesus Christ. And so when we recognize that we are spiritually sick, when we recognize that we've gone our own way, that we're tempted to put our faith and trust in created things and not the creator, then we need a cure and that cure is found in Jesus. So by Jesus coming and living amongst us, showing us, teaching us, showing us what the kingdom looks like, by dying on the cross, paying the price for our sin by rising again, defeating death, so death has lost its sting, ascending to heaven, sending the Holy Spirit and promising to come back again where everything is made new, where there'll be no suffering, no pain, no agony, no pandemics, no disease, no fear, no anxiety, no depression. When all of these things are made new We have this opportunity to experience and know, not just know about God, who Jesus is now. And so the responsibility of those of us who know Jesus is to go share this good news. Think about how criminal it would be and unkind if there was a vaccine for COVID-19 and people had it, but they were unwilling to share it. Maybe there was a country in the world that said, we found this vaccine, we're gonna cure our people, but we're not gonna share it. That would be so unkind. But for those of us who are Christians, to know the hope that we can have in Jesus, that if we repent of our sins and receive forgiveness, we have eternal hope in him, and to not share that is also unkind of me and unkind of you. So why don't we share this good news? Well, maybe we don't believe it's good news. Maybe we're believing the bad news that this is it, that we just need to fear death, that life is all there is. But we know that we've put our faith and trust in Jesus, but actually we're living as if somehow that is not true. We need to hold on to and look into the goodness of the gospel again and allow that to come into our lives by the Spirit in such a way that we truly believe again that this is good news and that we actually see it as an act of compassion that we would want to tell people, but we'd also want to pray for people. So maybe the story goes something along the lines of this, you know, maybe you're, you're talking to a, a workmate on Zoom. Maybe you're talking to a friend at school and they're talking about how one of their relatives is unwell or they're talking about how they're unwell. What's our response? Do we just say, well, you know, let's have a cup of tea and a biscuit or I wish you well, best wishes. That's what anyone in the world could say. But why don't we take the step of faith and say to people, well, I'll pray for you about that. Or I can pray for you even now. Why don't we increase our faith and take steps of faith that actually believe that this is good news. And that God can, in his will, heal people. Meet with people. Spiritually, physically. And my concern for us as a church is that we don't become so inward that we forget that there's actually a mission to reach out. But that reaching out is going to look different. So for me, it might just be about praying for everyone in my street. It might be about going out for a run with somebody. It might be having a game of tennis with uh, one of my neighbours. It might be meeting up with somebody for a coffee in ways that are in line with the guidelines. But at the very least, even if we're housebound, we can be praying, praying for relatives that don't know Jesus. Praying for neighbours that don't know Jesus, because ultimately it's God by his grace who saves people and he's saved you and me if we know Jesus today. But what I want us to really think about is that this is good news and we can still reach out. When I just think about my life, when I think about the problems, I think about COVID-19, I'm unlikely to look out the way and wanna share this good news. But when I allow by the Holy Spirit this truth to really come home to me, into my heart, I'll participate in the kingdom of God and look for his will to be done. So we're called to reach out with gospel authority that comes from God through Jesus given us that authority to go and preach and to pray for the sick. For a gospel lifestyle that looks different and distinctive to the world around us and attractive. And for gospel proclamation that brings the hope of good news to a world full of bad news and that is sick. And we can do that together by his grace. Let's pray together. Father, we recognise that life is not always easy just now. But you've never promised that life would be easy and would be some kind of breeze. But we need your grace and the goodness of the gospel to remind us of just how good this news is. And I pray that in the age that we live, that we would see as we go out in ones and twos, an opportunity to encourage one another. But secondly, that we would go out in ones and twos with those people who don't know Jesus. And that if we don't know Jesus today, and as we've heard this message, that this would be attractive, that we would want to respond to the good news story. So help us by your spirit in our weakness to know that your grace is sufficient. Help us to pray your kingdom come and your will be done. Whether we're in school College, uni, the workplace, retired, at home, sick. Your kingdom come and your will be done. And may we see more people come to know Jesus in this time that we're in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much for listening today. I pray that we would not just simply hear this, but we would be prayerful in response. And encourage one another in home groups to pray for people we don't know, who don't know, sorry, people we don't, who don't know Jesus, and uh, that we'll pray that there will be a light that would come on for them, that they would know the goodness of the gospel. So let's be praying for one another and encouraging one another as we go through this week. God bless.